So, Mark. Yes? I think we should talk about hotels. Okay. What are your favorite hotel movies? Because this week's episode, we're going to be talking a lot about a hotel. So I think we should provide some context for people of, like, what a hotel is, where they might have seen hotels in movies before. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you might be like, I've heard the word hotel, but what is it? So a hotel, for those of you who don't know, is a place where you can pay money and then you sleep there. And this is for dogs, right? Hotel for dogs? Yeah, exclusively for dogs, but there are a couple for people. Okay. So, like, you might see a sign by the side of the road that says, Hotel, people welcome. Yeah, Yeah, basically. But hotels bring a bunch of strangers into the same building, which I think is the reason that there's so many movies about them, because it's the best way to just have people mix. Sure, it's the Agatha Christie model. Yeah, and I think one of the best examples of that was there were some bad times last year. Really? Like, not good times at all? They just, there weren't good times at the El Royale. Oh, that's right. That was a bad time. Yeah, I mean, that movie, I had a good time at the, the El Royale. Yeah, the movie, The Not Great Times at the El Royale. That is the primary example of just a hotel movie in a lot of ways. In a similar way to those kind of older Agatha Christie plays where you have a bunch of people at a hotel trapped together and we get to see their different experiences and personalities play off one another. Sometimes the hotel's on a train. The Murder on the Orient Express is not a hotel, it's a train. They sleep on it, though. There are so many Agatha Christie books where it's just like, Miss Marple's on vacation. Someone died at this fancy seaside resort. And there are no police in town. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) And that's when Angela Lansbury shows up. Murder She Wrote. I mean, Angela Lansbury is basically playing Miss Marple. Yeah, but better? Because it's Jessica Fletcher, who is one of the all-time best TV characters. (laughs) The weird thing about Jessica Fletcher is she is a writer. (laughs) In a pre-internet age. And everyone knows what she looks like. Well, she's, I think, supposed to be Agatha Christie levels. I don't know what Agatha Christie looks like. I do. Clearly you don't look at the author page every time you read a book. I, like, glance at it, but if I then saw them out in the world, I would not recognize them. Yeah, But also, people are like, oh my god, that's Angela Lansbury. (laughs) Oh my god, Mrs. Potts, I love your work. Alright, so what are some other big hotel movies? Obviously, we've got Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. One of my favorites is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, yeah. Obviously, because it's Wes Anderson in one of his best movies. Ray Fiennes is a lot of fun in that movie. (laughs) Tilda Swinton as the old woman who dies is just unbelievably good. I really want that oil portrait of Tilda Swinton as that character (laughs) just hanging on my wall somewhere. I assume that exists. No, no, that's very on brand for you. Very on brand. So what about you? Uh, Big hotel movies? Uh... It's not really a movie, but uh, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. That's obviously. not a movie at all. They've had multiple movies, okay? So they? Yes. yes. And of course, then the sequel, Sweet Life on Deck, where the hotel's on a boat. So that's not a hotel. It's a hotel. A it's a hotel on a boat. <laughs> Don't forget the crossover event. That's so Sweet uh, Life, Life of, of Z- Hannah Montana. Montana. <laughs> <laughs> that's that so real? Sweet, yes, <laughs> that that's so real. Sweet Life of Hannah Montana. And then Wizards on Deck, when the Wizards of Waverly Place were on the deck. I know so little about what was on television when we were children, and every time I learn something, I feel like I understand less. I feel like we were like 18 when that show (laughs) came out, because I definitely was an adult watching No, it was, that's a sweet life of Uh, Hannah Montana, was definitely when we were on the upper end, mm -hmm. and then Sweet Life on Deck started when I was no longer watching Disney Channel. Oh, I still was, um, because it was great. I mean, it's weird that you're using past tense for the Disney Channel. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 it is dead. I will never watch Dog with a Blog. Come. I'm sorry, what <laughs> What? Dog with a Blog. Is there anything beyond that premise, or is it? Is it like Wishbone? The dog can talk, and he has a blog. It ran from 2012 to 2015? What is it? That's so blog? early for a show about blogging dogs. What is the blog about? The dog blogging about his life. Are there other talking dogs? I've never seen it. This was after I was like, no, I'm done. Does he visit a hotel? Possibly. Would it be a hotel for dogs? <laughs> uh, so. People welcome. It's basically the Brady Bunch, but the dog can talk. <laughs> like, it's a new family with step-siblings, and then they find out the dog can talk. And he has a blog where he talks about the family. Why, though? <laughs> I don't know. 
But to go back to your point about how hotels are mixing places for strangers, the sweet life of Zach and Cody, and more specifically, that so sweet life of Hannah Montana, was definitely a mixing of strangers, and it was a gorgeous three-part episode. One of my favorite Miss Barbara lines I just remembered came from one of those hotel books where she's in the Caribbean, and it's on the later end. So she's at this fancy resort and sees these young people canoodling, and I think we'd even crossed into the 60s. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely, she was just like, oh, these people so open about sex. Back in my day, of course we were having it, but everyone knew not to talk about it. And I was like, Miss Marple, you were probably... Quite a wild cat, weren't you? (laughs) Miss Marble could get it. Yeah, 100%. She was was a hoe. What? (laughs) All I want is to be 80 and just at Easter dinner, just like, I was railed over this table, kids. (laughs) Look, we know you want to be Medea. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't have to couch it in anything else. I need to get a good wig, some very anti-aging makeup, because Medea keeps it tight. And a gun. Yeah, unlike anybody else and in those movies. We saw Medea Family Funeral, a garbage pile of a movie, and Medea looks the same, but all the other people just keep getting older. There's also not a funeral in it until about an hour into the movie. How long is the movie? Uh, too long! It's like two hours. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyway. Hotel. And in Family Funeral, they stay at... A hotel. Oh, that's true. The dude who d- has a funeral dies at a hotel. Yeah. From from sexing. From boner pills. That's a thing that is directly talked about in the book. How many old people died in this hotel from sex? <laughs> I was really? Like, including one in old the woman. Book, you're talking about the Charles Dickens novel, A Medea Family Funeral. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes that's the, yeah. The, the original, of course, from the 1800s. It was serialized originally, mm-hmm. and then they mm-hmm. compiled it into a novel. Exactly, exactly. And very popular amongst uh, uh, my demographic. In case you are actually confused, the book I refer to is The Shining by Stephen King. And speaking of which, why don't we get started on all this? Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. And romance is used very loosely this week. <laughs> this is not the least romantic movie we've looked at. No, but it's definitely got some problems in their romance. I'm Mark and I'm gay. And I'm Will and I'm a ginger. This, of course, is a podcast where we delve deep into cinematic love stories, digging up the ground to see what's buried beneath there. It might be a storytelling trope, or it might be romance. And we're going to see, does that Hollywood romance make any sense? And are these people dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation. We will dig in. We will see what's there. And as is so often the case when we have a black-centered story... (laughs) We brought my friend Josh back onto the show. Hello, I'm Josh and I'm black. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Well, please elaborate <laughs> on that last sentence you said. Well, I thought if we really look at it, so many of the key moments in the story are centered around the life of Mr. Halloran, the cook at the Overlook Hotel. Played beautifully by Scatman Crothers. <laughs> I believe it's pronounced Scatman and not Scatman. <laughs> I was trying to be kind, but yes, Scatman. <laughs> As in a reference to maybe the fact that he scats would be my guess? There was no scatting in this movie, so I'm at a loss. Can we talk real quick about the art he has in his house? <laughs> yes. House in and can we talk about where we can purchase it to get it for this home? So about two thirds of the way through the movie, we see Halloran because the overlook is shut down for the season. He is now in Miami hanging out in what looks like a, a pretty small apartment situation. He's of- in his room watching TV. Above his TV is a photo of a naked woman. Above his bed is a photo of a different naked woman. And they are both serving some ebony goddess realness. Like, froze, beautifully The one over the TV has the biggest fro I've seen in my life. Yeah, and like, just like, nubile. Like, the full... I hate that word. ...bosoms. (laughs) You're fired. (laughs) It was magical, I guess. It was a moment. Well, that's not the only magical thing about (laughs) Mr. Halloran. So the reason I'm here is because Mr. Halloran is, ding, 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 the magical Negro in the most literal sense possible. This is the most literal magical Negro I've ever seen in a movie. Literally, as uh, the child is discovering his powers, suddenly Mr. Halloran is like, I have powers too, and I can teach you how to use your powers and trust them. So really, he's like... The black Professor Xavier. 
He is bald. Mm-hmm. And he has mind powers. So, spinoff, Fox, get in on this. Now, Fox doesn't exist. Marvel. Fox is gone. Marvel, pick up Mr. Halloran, played by Scatman Crothers. Sorry, Scatman Crothers. And get in on this. This is a spinoff just waiting to happen. Like Scatman Crothers is dead. Oh. Um, <laughs> in real life and the movie. Yeah, true. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, I, also, if this movie came out in 1980, is presumably set in the present so if the kid becomes part of X-Men, then he has to be in Apocalypse, which is one of the worst X-Men movies. Which means he was in the greatest scene from the X-Men movies, the Quicksilver scene, saving all the people from the exploding X-Men. But that's a lesser version of the Quicksilver scene in Days of Future Past, and do you really want to consign the kid to that? But hey, 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 he must have been one of the kids either making out with a girl or fixing his hair in the mirror or i don't know have you seen this movie multiple times yes i love this movie because no matter how bad it is it's at least an x-men movie the halloran character actually survives in the book which i thought was an interesting change in this too it's a horror movie black people can't survive to the end yeah so i don't know if we've formally stated it this week we're talking about the shining from 1980 directed by stanley kubrick based on the novel by stephen king based on the novel pushed by sapphire Again, that's why I'm here, based on the novel pushed by <laughs> Sapphire, Black Correspondent. Okay. And it's worth noting that while this movie was poorly received at the time, it has come to be thought of as a major milestone, particularly in horror filmmaking. But it's also famous because Stephen King, while he has said he appreciates it as a horror film, famously hates it as an adaptation of his work. He hates that the hotel is not the main character of this movie. So his vision is like a monster house situation? (laughs) Basically. Like, the book is a lot about the history of the hotel. You learn about all the gang activity there and the ghosts, and you know who the different ghosts that you see in the movie are. But then in the movie, it makes the correct choice of focusing (laughs) on Jack Torrance and... And the family. The family in general. Because it's the more interesting part, like, to to watch. It's the more interesting part to watch. And like we were saying earlier, you get a really great movie with The Shining. You have a lot of questions about the hotel, yes, but all that makes you want to do is go and read the book and just get that background information. So it's great. Stephen King actually made a miniseries based off The Shining where he delved into actually, like, the hotel and stuff like that. Which I think would be interesting, but I also do kind of like the way the movie just slowly descends into madness as things go on. Right. We start out just with Danny's creepy visions, and then by the end we've got, like, the weird guy in the bunny suit. And, like, who knows what's going on? It was a bear suit. I thought it was a dog the first time. I think one of the most interesting things about this movie is even what animal that guy is dressed as is debated. (laughs) Everybody's like, maybe it's like one of those... Uh, those pictures of like a bunch of animals where you're like the first animal you see uh, shows your personality. So bear. I'm on the the record. Big ear for rabbits. Rabbit. But that's obviously because your favorite movie, Peter Rabbit. In that movie, James Corden as Peter Rabbit tries to murder someone by throwing blueberries at him. That movie was garbage. Doesn't he also try to bang Rose Rose Byrne? Yep. 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 This movie, on the other hand, (laughs) is excellent. And as we know, the main point is Stanley Kubrick admitting that he staged the moon landing. Yes, of course. I mean, that's what the movie is ultimately about. Right. So we keep talking about focusing on the family versus the hotel. No, in the end, it's just Stephen Kubrick's saying- Stanley Kubrick? Stanley Kubrick saying, guys, I faked the moon landing. It was me. I did it. So this movie has been dissected to death in the 40 years since it came out. So we're not going to try to, like, hit some big revelation about The Shining beyond just our usual focus on the romance. We're not going to go too deep into, like, thematic analysis. If you want that, there's lots of writing out there. There's a documentary about the making of it called Room 237. Which apparently is much less about the crackpot theories than people I know who have watched it were hoping for. It's actually about, like, the making of the movie and not just interviewing crazy people who think it's about the moon landing. (laughs) I mean, that seems like the right move. Fair. Okay, I genuinely did not know what you were talking about when y'all were like, moon landing, and now I'm like, wait, people thought the movie's about the moon landing? It's about Kubrick admitting that he faked the moon landing. Like, Just look at Danny's Apollo 11 sweater. That says it all. The government brought him in. 
Because, like, this is after he's made a bunch of big movies like Dr. Strangelove. So the government brings him in and is like, yo, buddy, we need it to look like we landed on the moon. Go shoot it for us. My favorite counter-argument to that is Stanley Kubrick would never let that look as shitty as it did on TV. <laughs> right, exactly. It would look much better. So I think we should just start talking about the romance. Yeah. yeah. I do want to point out my favorite fact about the making of this movie is the steady camera was almost completely brand new. And it was so heavy that to get the follow shots of Danny walking around, they had the cameraman wear the steady cam thing, but have to be pushed in a wheelchair. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was too heavy. I love so that. the steady cam is just being pushed around on a wheelchair. And the follow shots are one of the things I think that do stand out they in this do. movie. And they're one of the biggest things that people like pay homage to, like when they're following him on that tricycle. That's like one of the most famous scenes from this movie. And see, I just love like old time Hollywood when they're like, we don't this have technology. Not old time Hollywood. That's the, thing. that's the thing. I just love it though, because it's like, we just have this new technology that we're not sure how to use right let's macgyver some way to use it i guess wheelchair and it's worth noting that the inventor of the steadicam was the operator on this movie because he was so excited by the things kubrick wanted to do with it that he decided he would personally get involved oh that's really cool but i think josh touches on something interesting which when we're talking about the influence of the shining as a film it is one of those things where you watch it and like every five minutes, you're going, oh, I've basically seen this before. Because the visual language is so heavily borrowed by other films that it's just part of our cinematic language at this point. Even the creepy twins are in TV commercials. Mm-hmm. For Halo oranges. <laughs> it's like taken for granted at this point. <laughs> yeah, and like there were full on moments where I was like, oh, I can't take this seriously because I saw a meme with this. Just imagine how creepy the elevators flowing over with blood would be if you didn't see the tweets about that relating to periods. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but well, I still love a lot of that stuff. Oh, I mean, there's a 100%. reason it becomes iconic. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I always say, if something's cliche, there's a reason it became cliche because people liked it and enjoyed it and just overused it. But like, it's, yes, it's the thing Josh always says <laughs> <laughs> to myself. <laughs> But, like, for some reason, none of the stuff in this movie feels hacky or schlocky because we've seen it so much everywhere. It just is like, oh, this is where it came from. And it still holds up after 20, was it 40 years now? 40 40 years. years. Yeah, goodness. I would actually say, also, speaking of these, like, sort of visual echoings, the best part of Ready Player One (laughs) is the Shining riff. When they're trying to find one of the clues and they go in and it's the Overlook Hotel and it floods with blood and they have the whole deal and they're fighting robots. It's a great movie. Yeah. So we should talk about it. Josh, stop playing video games. Oh, okay. Sorry. Josh, we're on the points which you wrote, so please (laughs) do your job. Uh, So, every week, of course, we break down the romance of a movie into the five points that best make it up. So, we only care about the romance of The Shining. We don't care about anything else. There's a throwaway reference to an Indian burial ground. (laughs) That never comes back. We probably won't talk about it much. Nope. The only other reference is essentially supposed to be the Native American motifs in the decoration of the hotel. That's about it. Right. But it never, like, is raised at any point in association with, like, the creepiness. I mean, that's the only explanation you need. They should have cut and run at that point. Indian burial ground. They should have known, like, oh. I've read a Stephen King book. I know what happens <laughs> here. Get, up, get the hell up out of Dodge. So, I, again, as the black correspondent, I understand why black people can't be in horror movies. Because the second something looks slightly suspicious, we're like, oh, no, I'm going to leave. Thank you. Like, I would have been at that interview, and he would have started talking about, yeah, back in the 70s, somebody died. And I've been like, thank you very much for your time. I'm going to go. Um, Thank you. I mean, that's Lil Howery in Get Out, when the minute he hears about the thing, he's like, oh, that's a sex slave situation. Yes! You're instantly like, oh, no, Mm-mm. not in not in my house. All right, so, Josh, as our guest, you're in charge of guiding us through the five points of the passionate romance mm, gets, of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. It gets steamy, y'all, so buckle like, in. Like, Titanic-level steamy? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh, higher. Higher, baby. That's too much steam. <laughs> like, open a you window. You could power a train with that much steam. Open a window. Air this room out. It was, whew. I have the five points here. So, yeah, let's just dive right into it. Point one, the spousing. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. And uh, as far as my wife is concerned... Uh, I'm sure she'll be absolutely fascinated when I tell her about it. Is this supposed to be, like, The Shining? Yes. 
It's All a, of his end with ings. Because it's like verbs that are now nouns, but... Shining is a verb. And in this movie, it's a noun. Okay, Because it's like, you have the shining. All right, yeah, all right. Shining, you know. I know how grammar works, well. Gerund. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> also an adjective. <laughs> and I want to say adverb. Point one. No, it's not an adverb. <laughs> Point one. The spousing. So, okay, the movie opens, and Jack is on his way up to this interview. And actually, their first point, they're not even together, these two people. So, really, you're just hearing about them talking about their marriage to other people. And you get the sense that, eh, they're happily married. Like, they've got some problems. Like, Jack used to be drinking. Wendy is, I don't know, a woman? The movie seems to make that a problem. But, like, they just seem <laughs> happily married. I mean, basically. the biggest problem in their marriage is that Jack is played by Jack Nicholson, so yeah. you can never take seriously that he ever yeah. loved his wife. Yeah. So, that was actually one of the objections Stephen King had to the uh. movie, because particularly based on One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest, King was like, at no point will anyone believe Jack Nicholson is not going to go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> because he is obviously a madman. Because he is Jack Nicholson. He's his eyebrows. <laughs> it's like when you watch A Few Good Men and you're like, of course he ordered the code red. Have you seen the guy? <laughs> I was the movie opened and I was like, can he stop smiling? Because I feel very uncomfortable every time he does. I watched this and I thought to myself so many times, how his eyebrow do that? <laughs> <laughs> His eyebrow has joints in it. It does. His eyebrows move in four separate ways. Like in the fifth dimension. God. I wish they were bushier. I wish he could do that, but with like giant caterpillars on his face. I really think he needs to just shave them off and pencil them in drag queen style, honey. Get it better. So anyway, Jack has gone up to the Overlook Hotel. He's going to be interviewing to be the caretaker in the off season. I don't know if you caught this, Mark, but this film takes place in the Fever Pitch universe, <laughs> I believe. Because if you were listening very closely, what Mr. Ullman, the actual normal season manager of The Overlook, tells his secretary is that Jack is a former school teacher. I, remind me what that is. I thought it was pronounced Scrawlcratcher. Right, a Skrnkronker <laughs> is a person who tends... The youth of their species, theoretically providing them with some educational instruction. Does he also touch them a lot? Yeah, he touches them a lot. He sometimes threatens to beat them. He has little authority, but some sort of posturing of authority. So, like, for example, children can do whatever they want around a screen cronker as long as they don't make a big show of it. I mean, the reason he is no longer a school teacher is because he actually beat a child, so there is that. True! Good <laughs> point! Did he beat his own child? Yes, but I don't know if they actually bring it up, but what happens is uh, he punches a kid for slashing his tires, and that's why he's no longer a teacher. Okay, valid point, though. He slashed his tires, talk shit, get hit. Kid had it coming. Why did I, the kid slash his tires? Because he kicked him off the debate team because he Loser. was bad, but the Wait, guy's- no debater is going to slash tires. <laughs> I was about to say. It's like a super fancy prep school, so I think it all comes from the fact that he's rich. And uh, that's why he got fired, too. What nerd has a switchblade? Come on. Maybe he used an axe. <laughs> that's where Jack got the axe. I, the same yeah. kid axe. Right there. I just really- Level, level. I just really love the idea of a kid getting so mad he was kicked off the debate team that he slashes his teacher's tires. I think that's- Will's energy, though. <laughs> so I know this novel is partially autobiographical because at the time he was writing it, Stephen King was also struggling with alcoholism. Is it possible that incident is based on something he did as a child? I hope not. <laughs> I think it's something Stephen King did as an adult. He punched a kid. <laughs> so Jack is headed up to the Overlook to be the caretaker for the off-season. It's a long off-season. It's like seven months. Yeah. Yeah. He says the hotel's only open from May 1st to October 31st, so it's November through April. April. Yeah, that's a Six lot. months. Yeah. So the thing's only open for half the year. Right, because the snow is too heavy. It would be too much of a pain to keep the roads open. Get some heat lamps. Like, come on, guys. He's going to be staying at this very isolated mountaintop resort, and he's excited because it'll give him free time to get back to writing. At one point during the interview, 
the manager, Mr. Ullman, is like, hey, is your wife going to be cool with this? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, that's basically his attitude towards Wendy the whole movie. Yeah, that's why being a woman seems to be the problem. Yeah. (laughs) The fact that Wendy loves him and supports him and feeds him breakfast in bed. Really grates on him. (laughs) Like, he then calls her... To be like, hey, I've got a lot to do here. I won't be home till like 9.30 or 10. And she's like, oh, so you got the job. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And hangs up. Uh, like, don't bury the lead. <laughs> That's why when you were saying, oh, they seem like, for the most part, happy. I was like... Do they? I mean, yeah, that's what I said. I, I also have in my notes, rough but pushing through, okay? Like, they're going through a rough patch, it feels like, he because of the way he's being a giant there. misogynist. Yeah, because it's Jack Nicholson. We've been over this. It's given. So, one thing we learn in this early section also is that five months ago, Jack came home from work, and his son Danny had, like, spread his papers all over the place. And so, Jack is grabbing Danny to pull him away and wrenches Danny's arm dislocates his shoulder at which point Jack tells his wife Wendy that he'll never drink again and if he ever does she should leave him fair which by the end spoiler she does <laughs> but does he drink <laughs> no he never drinks he doesn't he has a lot of hallucinations where he's drinking right but he doesn't drink she leaves him for other reasons <laughs> <laughs> one of the main ones is he is dead by, by that point does that count as leaving someone? I feel like she'd already left it's by more, that point. Yeah, it's unclear the exact time frame whether she has left him before he dies or not. But it's kind of unclear. They were, they were they were dealing with some other things at the moment. <laughs> their so. marriage is over by the time that this movie ends. Okay, so is that point number one? That was point number one. Yeah, kind of like the rough pushing through. I mean, okay, as a uh, as a me, I just see this and I'm just like, this just seems like straight white people problems. So this seems normal. I guess. That's why the relationship, I'm like, seems normal, rough, but pushing through. Do you think all white people murder each other? On That's n- I said this is point one. Point five is later, Will. Okay? Gosh. And he does not murder her. She does not murder him. So that's a plus for the relationship. I mean, it's attempted murder. Point two, the settle inning. <laughs> Don't let it get you down, Mrs. Torrance. It's big, but it's still ain't nothing but a kitchen. You couldn't say settling in? No, everything has to end with ing. Okay. Thank you. Point two, the settle-inning. They move into the hotel and, like, things... Is there a settle-inning stretch that we should start right now? <laughs> Sit down. Please. They move into the hotel and it seems like things are going good. It's beautiful. They're enjoying the hotel. She's bringing him breakfast in bed. He's saying stuff like, we stayed up too late last night. And it's like, oh, they f***ing... Um, they're really positive. They're excited about the hotel. It's beautiful. She's more positive than he is, though. She's like, let's go walking around. Let's check out things outside. And he's a little bit grumpy that... He's having writer's block, basically. Yeah. They've been there for a month, and he can't get any writing done. Yeah. And, like, she's very supportive of his writing. Like, she says, oh, it's okay, honey. You'll you'll get there. Once it clicks in, you'll just be off. You can tell there are kind of some seeds of discontent, mostly from him, obviously. But, you know... It's nice. She seems to be enjoying using the hotel amenities and stuff. Everything's just beautiful. Their kid Danny is having a great time just tricycling around the hotel. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with him at all. Nothing. He's just a normal little indeterminate age boy. Six. Six? Okay. He also was cast based on his ability to concentrate and nothing else. That makes sense. Which is why the kid is so creepy because he just is focused. It's really good performance though. I'm not gonna lie. For like most child actor performances, that was a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. They did only look at kids from a certain geographical area where they thought the accent would be kind of between Jack Nicholson and <laughs> Shelley Duvall. Oh, that's fun, actually. That's actually cute. <laughs> I did Google where Shelley Duvall is from. It's just like, ah, it makes sense that she is a Texan. <laughs> I mean, in this movie... Shout out to Texas. I mean, in this movie, Shelley Duvall is from exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> because she was getting into arguments with Kubrick all the time about the script, about her character getting really stressed out by the whole process. Kubrick famously was a very exhausting person to work with. Which, Because he was very exacting. Let's make sure we're all on the same page. That is a bad thing. We do not need to make that a good thing about him, which some people do. It's a bad thing. To the point that, like, Shelley Duvall was getting physically ill and, like, her hair was falling out from the stress of it all. 
Meanwhile, Jack Nicholson just stopped bothering to memorize his lines because they were changing so constantly. So he would just memorize them immediately before scenes. And and to his credit, as creepy as we say he was, Jack Nicholson, this is an amazing role for him. Again, I know. He's I real know, good. He was really good. You could just see the nuance and everything he was doing. And then there was a, there's a part of you that's like, how much of this is Kubrick being exacting? And how much of this is just Nicholson being like, oh, you want creepy? I'm going to give you creepy. I mean, hot take. Jack Nicholson is a good actor. Yeah. What? <laughs> I know. I mean, this, this is why you listen to We Love the Love. These we got hot the takes. hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes so yeah they're settling in there seems like things are going fun he's trying to write she's like you'll get it don't worry about it just keep writing every day and that'll get you going exactly so it's like okay things are again rough but pushing through i mean we could talk more about that but on to point three the shoutening what do you want me to do about it oh, come on hun. don't be so grouchy okay like shouting is a word <laughs> Yes, we know. Shut. It has to fit the theme. Shouting ends in ing. I like how all of them have to be e n i n g when the movie isn't called the Shining. <laughs> it's the Ning, okay? The Ning I needed. Okay. <laughs> Respect my process. Point being, the Shining. This scene was super uncomfortable to watch. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. So he's sitting down in, in the grand uh, Colorado room, one of these huge lounge, just sitting in the middle on his typewriter. And she comes in to be like, hey, honey, how's it going? Can I read what you're doing and everything? And, and he immediately rips the page out of the typewriter, oh crumples it up. And then just really goes off on her like fully it was it was super uncomfortable to watch also in there she's like yeah it's snowing a lot should we do something about that yeah like as the caretaker of the building she's literally like hey how's it going and he's like i'm not being get grouchy i just want to finish my work and then instantly i was like okay i can see but then he just keeps well she goes i'll bring throwing. you some sandwiches yeah. later." she literally is just like hey i want to support you what you're doing everything. she wants to bring sandwiches <laughs> the best food oh and he snaps at her this actually, that actually, him not wanting a sandwich is going to bring down the believability for me. <laughs> well, I already know who you're going to pick to date. The there woman are, that makes you sandwiches. There are like five characters in this movie. <laughs> there you have to a- pick Scatman Crothers <laughs> or a murderer. <laughs> I could pick the guy that Scatman calls at the dealership to get him a snowplow. All right. Yeah. Well, cool. we already answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. No. Um. So yeah, no. Okay, so like he it starts off like he just seems kind of grouchy, but then he just like instantly blows up on her and it's like whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're distracting me and just like starts throwing off all these f bombs and like it's like very uncomfortable to watch him just being like a woman who is generally just being like I want to support you any way I can. He just loses it on her and it is like Wow. And he's basically just like, never walk into this room while I am in this room. Like, or even when I'm not in this room. Just don't come into this room. We have enough weird auras around this building already from the Indian burial ground of it all. I don't need your aura Mm. contaminating this room, too. (laughs) And I genuinely think this is probably the point of the movie. Like, the music and everything was creepy, so you're like, okay, things are happening. But at this point where he just loses it on her, that's when you're like, oh... Oh, things are not going to go well. Well, he's a bad man. This is not going to end in anything but tears. Even at the beginning of the movie, he's kind of a bad man. He kind of is. But at the the same time, rough but pushing through, I keep saying. This was was the vibe that I was getting. But this one's like, oh, no, no, not rough, just bad. This is very bad. This is also the point where Shelley Duvall first looks scared and continues to have the same facial expression of terror for the rest of the movie. She's got really good eyes for it. They're like kind of protruding from her face. Mm -hmm. She's so good at this movie. She plays the role very well. Also, on the subject of physical appearances, this is a very drooly movie. (laughs) There is a lot of drool, and it is very uncomfortable. From the kid, Danny, as well as from Nicholson. Mm -hmm. We just get a lot of drool all over the place. Like father, like son. I was literally just about to say that. Was that part of the casting process as well? How good can you drool? Did you guys know that Danny is now a... Who's actor is also named Danny. He is now a community college professor in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Oh, how dare you? (laughs) Speaking of movies that have settings in hotels, Elizabethtown, mostly its second half is in a hotel. That movie is a crime. (laughs) I didn't bring up the movie. I just stated the fact. It was implied. (laughs) It was implied. (laughs) Well, (laughs) to get back to our point, 
You can also see the way that she deals with Danny, seeing the kind of the fear that she's starting to hold for him. Like, Danny's like, I want to go into the room and get my toy. She's like, no, dad's sleeping. And then he just like, don't make a sound. Dad's sleeping. If we wake him up, things aren't going to be good. Everyone's going to get hurt. And, oh, it... mm. And Danny goes in anyway, and we see Jack kind of like just sitting there in a haze. He says he can't sleep. And... Danny's like, I'm just here to get my fire truck. And Jack's like, come over here. Mm. I love you, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> He's hugging you his know, kid. Daddy loves oh you. God. Yeah, I'm getting and Danny shivered. asks Jack. He's like, would you ever hurt mommy mm-hmm. or me? And Jack gets really intense. He's like, did mommy say I was going to hurt you guys? Mm-hmm. He's like, I love you. I would never do anything to hurt you. And he's just hugging him. And Danny's like clearly creeped out. Yeah. Danny, by the way, very creepy kid. Yes, I agree. He is. Yes. We cannot say that Jack is the only creepy guy in this family. Again, like father, like son. The whole finger thing with Tony. Uh... Hey, Josh. Yuck. I'm also on the podcast this I will week. Fully... Danny isn't here right now, Mrs. Torrance. Oh, my God. we were When we were watching it, Mark just comes around the corner and does that, and I literally screamed. It was, ah. Uh... <laughs> I'm the little boy who lives in Will's mouth. Please never say you have a little boy living in your mouth ever again. (laughs) Doesn't work when you are a full-grown adult. (laughs) It does not. It barely works when you are a child. So, anyway, we're now on to point four, where the shit starts to hit the fan even more. Is that the shit hit the fanning? (laughs) (laughs) Point four. Shit hitting the fanning. Thank you for following my naming convention. It was already N-I-N-G at fanning. (laughs) But it needs fanning. The N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-
How do you, your wife and kids feel about them? They shouldn't come. Mm, they should go stay with her sister, maybe, for a while. Anyway, while she is... While, they're, while she's comforting him and like from this nightmare, Danny walks in. And he's got his his Apollo Eleven sweater is ripped he's, because it's a fake. Okay, his Apollo Eleven sweater is ripped, and we are not getting into the moon landing. And he's got bruises on his neck. And Wendy runs over and is like, "Who did this? Who did this?" And she's instantly like, "You did this because to uh, to Jack because he's the, you're the only other person here, and you're a weird creepazoid yeah. who has already hurt our child. Who has hurt him? She does. She does say like, "You did this to him. You hurt him five months ago. Well, seven months ago now, probably at this point." And she like runs out, and then Jack he goes to get a drink. He goes to get a drink in a hotel that has no alcohol, and then suddenly is talking to Lloyd. Who the is Lloyd? We don't know. Lloyd's the bartender. Lloyd's the bartender. The best bartender Jack's ever had. And at this point, he does say to Lloyd, this bartender, he says, um, I never laid a hand on him. That bitch, as long as I live, she'll never let me forget what happened. That he hurt him. That he dislocated his shoulder once. Not that long ago. Yeah, seven months ago, about. And so, one, it's like, yeah, it's been less than a year. She's not gonna forget. Two... Dude, again, why do you hate your supportive wife? This is also when he refers to her as the sperm bank. Yeah. Oh, God. He said the sperm bank is upstairs. And I'm like, maybe if you didn't refer to your wife as the sperm bank, your relationship might be a little better. Around this point, Wendy comes into the bar. We've been seeing it from Jack's psycho perspective with Lloyd at the bar and lots of drinks and people around in the bar. When Wendy comes in, it's empty. It's just him sitting there. And she's crying. She says Danny told her there's someone else in the hotel. There's a crazy lady who tried to strangle him. And at this point, Wendy is holding a baseball bat mm-hmm. that she'll carry for most of the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. That or a knife. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. She's always holding something for the rest of the movie. It's nice. You know, acting, it's sometimes difficult. Like, what do I do with my hands? And so you just want to hold something to make it yeah. easier. And so... You just give Shelly Duvall a baseball bat. She can hold it with both hands. She doesn't have to think about that. I'm pretty sure she just had it to save herself from Stanley Kubrick. She was like, don't direct me anymore. I'm just going to carry this bat. So Jack goes to investigate room 237. Oh, my God. And And this is where he sees a naked lady in the bathtub. At least the third one in the movie. This is like the creepiest scene. It really is. Because then, like, it's all silent. No one's talking. But this woman gets out of the bathtub. And he goes into the room. And she's, like, an attractive woman. She is. There's barely any music at this time, either. It's pretty much just a silent scene. And he walks in, and he just starts making out with her. And I'm like, see? If you didn't make out. It's also, like... Very slow. She slowly gets up out of the bathtub, walks over to him as he's kind of staring at her. Then she like runs her hands up his chest. And there's a moment where you're like, oh, now she's going to strangle him too. Mm -mm. Yep, thought so. But then then she just embraces him and they start making out him quite aggressively. Another sign, bad relationship. Exactly. Like if you're like, hey, first other woman I've seen in two months, only two months. He couldn't keep it in his pants that long. The sperm bank is upstairs. He could have dropped a deposit. Oh but boy, no. I did not need that. The first woman he sees, the first hallucination woman he sees, he's like, I'm going to tap that. But and- then in the mirror, he sees her body oh, as God. like bloated and decaying and from having been submerged in water. Ugh, old and disgusting and just like rotting and moldy Ugh, it's it was... less the oldness that's disgusting and more the giant weeping wounds that yeah. are yeah. decaying uh, and black so he starts trying to run away she's running after him screaming and he locks the door to the room to keep her in there and it's never really addressed again nope, never comes back <laughs> and he goes back to the family apartment and tells wendy he saw nothing yeah so again lying to your wife that's uh that's a. Uh, is he lying to his wife? Does he remember that? Ooh, it, that is an interesting question. You aren't you aren't totally sure. It's never clear that he remembers his like hallucinations exactly. when he's more lucid. Or his san- how much is the sanity gone? How much is he still Jack? And how much is he this How much of this is supernatural stuff that's exactly. really there? How much of this is the Overlook Hotel just slowly taking over his mind? Which leads us to point five. Wendy, I'm home. Wendy decides to leave. Excuse me, no, I didn't get the title. The ending. Not the leavening? Not the oh. attempted murdering? No, the ending. You're fired. Excuse me. You're going to take the ending and you're going to like it. So this is the, the denouement of the movie and it, oh God, it's a lot, y'all. It is a lot. So Wendy has decided at this point that they just need to leave. They need time. to take Danny, who is clearly having some real issues, physical attack and some really scary mental stuff going on she's like we need to take him we need to get him out of here and like you've probably heard this but like if you didn't know where it's from danny isn't here anymore mrs torrance 
it's Tony. And I'm like, you could have picked a better name than Tony, one. Two, you should be leaving that child in that room and getting out of Dodge, woman. Like, but so, should have been cutting and run, been like, this was a great run, guys. Family, fun. I gotta go. Uh, y'all figure out what's happening in this hotel. At this point, Jack goes off the deep end in terms of insisting that he has to stay and do his job. Oh my god, this point again is when he goes on this whole rant when she suggests to leave, that like, she's he's like, I have a responsibility to my employers, and I'm like... Do you, though? Again, she's doing all the work. And then he's like, I've let you f*** up my life so far, but I'm not going to let you f*** this up. And I'm like, if you don't like her, don't marry her. Like, if marriage is a trap for you, don't get married. Oh, my God. Also, so she just the f***-ups in his life were self-imposed. <laughs> she did not beat a child. That was on him it's like, I've twice. Got, I've got 99 problems, and 88 of them are self-induced. So she decides to leave on her own without him. The other 11 are capitalism. But with Danny. <laughs> with Danny. <laughs> she is not doing what Josh suggests. Which Cut is and run. <laughs> get out by herself. Leave the child. He's obviously too far gone. Like oh. Around this point, she finds his book. Oh, God. This is... Oh, yeah. This is, I mean, this is definitely something you have seen somewhere. Oh, but this beautiful. is the famous scene where she looks at the typewriter, and he has on the page, all it says is, all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. And it's like lines and lines and lines. lines. And I like that it's formatted worth. differently. Like, sometimes it looks yep. like it's excerpts from something else. Mm-hmm. I like how sometimes the spaces are wrong. There's typos. Yeah, things are spelled wrong. Oh, God. It is but like, oh. it's a full manuscript of a, like, few hundred thousand page book of just all work and no play make jack a doll boy what's cool is that Uh, in the foreign versions of this they did a different idiom depending on the language where it was being released so like in italy they used an italian idiom Mm -hmm. in germany they used the german idiom that reminds me of like uh pixar and some of their movies they do that depending on region like in uh inside out when the the baby is like oh i don't want to eat broccoli in places like japan they use green peppers because that's like the vegetable that babies are like oh i hate that more in zootopia the newscaster animals depending on the region were different like in canada they had a moose or something in australia they had a, a different animal maybe like a kangaroo or something but like just like those little touches that depending on region and they change the little things. Like well, we've seen Pixar there. We've seen Disney with Zootopia. Mm-hmm. Of That's course, like, yeah. classically, Shark Tale changed <laughs> Katie Current to be a different newscaster yep. in different places. Oh, remember when we watched Shrek 2? And the... Um, oh, are you it? talking about Larry King? Larry in King and Joan Rivers, who were different people. And it threw me off very much so. Because it was apparently the UK version we were watching. And I was like, those are not those people. Still don't know why HBO had the UK version only. <laughs> so weird. And it was literally just those two characters. And you're like, huh, weird. So Jack walks in (laughs) as Wendy is reading the novel. And he's like, do you like it? I think we should discuss Danny. Oh, my God. What do you think should be done Uh, with Danny? And this is the the part where he goes on the whole rant about I have responsibility. She has her bat out, like, honey. And she, and like, he's like, he's like slowly advancing on her up the stairs. And she's like very ineffectively swiping it. Very half-heartedly. Because it's still her husband. And she doesn't want to bash his head and knock him down the stairs. I would have been like, the second he walked in, I would have been like, batter up, bitch. Let's go. (laughs) Light of my life. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. Yeah. He and says, then she hits him with the baseball bat. He falls down the stairs. Again, I would like to say, when he said bash your brains in, there was still a good minute where she was just ineffectively swinging. And I was like, swing for the stands. She hit that homer. Oh, my God. I think part of it is she didn't want to open herself up enough where if she missed, then she's open to an attack from him. Oh, gosh. Oh, I, Whereas I, instead, she's just keeping it close, but yeah. is able to keep him at a distance. Oh, my goodness. But and anyway, she pushed him down the stairs. very half-hearted screaming that she does to Danny! <laughs> like, she's not screaming because she wants to whisper, but she's screaming for her child. I really wish she had just been running through the halls and just falling down all the time and just, Danny! Danny! <laughs> ah! I love this performance so much. <laughs> so she throws him in the dry goods storage, mm-hmm. tries to leave, discovers that he disabled the, the radio snow and the snowmobile. Uh, and then the mysterious forces 
that be release him. Jack from dry goods. He grabs an axe. He kills Scatman Crothers, <sighs> who has come to help. The magical Negro. <laughs> I knew he was Delbert die. Grady is actually the one to give him an axe. It's not like you see him pick it up, which yeah. I think is one of the creepiest touches. See, he just shows up with it. I think. I think if we had, I kind of want to see if we had actually seen Delbert Grady give him the axe, or if him just having it would have been better. Because like when you just see him have it, you're like, oh, he picked up an axe from the garage or something. But if Delbert Grady had been like. Here you are, Master, whatever his last name is. I mean, this is the point Terror where... Towards. This is the point where you no longer have supernatural any supernatural yeah. is real. Yeah, so, like, up to this point, you're kind of thinking, oh, is he just hallucinating? But then Wendy starts seeing shit, too, and you're like, okay, this hotel. I mean, the main and thing touching is that... Stu- yeah, it touches... The, it opens the door for him. Yeah, Grady yep. opens the she door. She starts That's seeing things, like, too, and yeah. you're like, oh, oh, no, she should have cut and run. Get your snow boots, you're running. So... She and Danny are trying to escape out of their apartments by going out the window into the snowbank. Jack is trying to bust in. He's got the axe. Again, this is one of the more famous scenes where he's like, here's Johnny. Which is, of course, based on the night show with Johnny Carson. A reference Kubrick did not get. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, did Jack Nicholson just do it? Make it up. Oh, that's great. They also started filming that scene with fake doors. But Jack Nicholson was a volunteer firefighter, so he would take the fake doors down so fast that they had to give him real doors to axe down. Oh, that's great. See, and we all know that he only became a volunteer firefighter to offset the creepiness of just his general persona. <laughs> Jack Nicholson really has to lean into, like, I'm a hero, guys! <laughs> Watching this No, you're not. We can see your eyebrows. Watching this movie, the whole time I was just like, I wonder what... Jack Nicholson and Danny's relationship on set was like. Like yeah. the actors. I'm kind of wondering too. Is he creepy too. or is he actually nice to kids? I think he's creepy. Yeah, and there's part of me that's wondering like how much of the movie was the kid allowed to be like no. I mean, like, oh, he's he, so really. Yeah. He didn't know it was a horror movie until after he saw it, like, oh, years wow. later. He was told it was a family drama. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Because, like, a lot of the kids' scenes are super creepy. Like, he's running through the hotel screaming. He's drooling from these terrors that he's getting from Tony. He has to do the finger thing. Like, he's not here anymore. Like, there's a point where you're like, honey, this is not the f- uh, what? But you can frame that to a kid as comedy. Out of context of everything else. Yeah. Like, also, kids just believe what you tell it's them. It's literally like, this is not Tyler Perry's The Family Who Prays, honey. This is not a family drama. That is a real Tyler Perry movie. And the praise is spelled with an E. So Jack gets out. He's chasing them. And he chases Danny through the maze for a while. Kills da- Scatman Crothers. Danny escapes the maze. Wendy has hooked up Scatman's snowcat. And they're able to escape. Thank Danny Jack. does some very good, like... He's just, clever. He's, he's really clever in this maze, and like he gets out. He gets out. Jack is unable to. Well, Jack's also probably never been in the maze, mm-hmm. and yeah, Danny, has. Danny has. But there are also footsteps leading out of the maze from where he came in. So no, he walks backwards. No, no, I mean like oh. when they first came in, yeah. that should have breadcrumbs that lead them right. back out. But I guess like one, it was dark. He was in a state of mind, and like just knew that just running around probably messed up some of the paths anyway. So like yeah, he never comes out, and Jack dies in there. Yeah, basically he <laughs> again another scene I couldn't take seriously because the scene of him frozen to death it's been used as a meme so many times that I'm like okay <laughs> you watch this movie you get a lot of the, oh that's where that's from <laughs> but then we get the shot of Danny and Wendy driving away on the snowcat and it cuts to a picture from the Fourth of July party in nineteen twenty one twenty one and it zooms in and there's Jack Torrance right at the front of yeah. the party so that's again something that I'm like. Huh? And so that, that's yeah. why I really want to read the book. And that's the end. Yeah. There was originally another scene where... Hopefully Torrance, uh, Mrs. Torrance marries a regular man and doesn't have him chase her around a hotel. No, it's just at the hospital, Danny and Wendy are there. And Mr. Ullman, the guy from the hotel, is telling them that they couldn't find Jack's body. Ooh. That's so creepy, but also is done to, like, show that they're safe, which I find is an interesting mix. Right, it's kind of like the extra ending to Vertigo that was cut. That's like, don't worry, the bad guys still get caught. Yeah, because Kubrick apparently was very fond of the characters of Wendy and Danny and wanted to show them safe and then realized that, I guess, kind of like, why? Yeah, like, literally. He was also getting a lot of negative reception from people who thought the movie was too long or thought it was too slow moving. A lot of horror fans at the time didn't appreciate it because it wasn't, like, pulse pounding. It's just dread. Yeah. Yeah. See, like, I, I mentioned this, I was like, my heart isn't pounding, but I've got that sense of just 
impending doom sitting in the pit of my stomach the entire movie. And I, I mentioned that at the beginning, I can get that because it was like, I was like, oh, there's a lot of exposition and things kind of drag on for a little while, just like setting things up. But then once you're in and you're just, it's literally just, you're like, I feel very uncomfortable for all of this. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going to happen. But that just, ugh, in the pit of your stomach just does not leave and it's uh it's, it's in that in that regard it is a great like horror movie it really is just mm-hmm. uh. so do we find the romance between jack and wendy believable 100 percent, 10 like, out of 10 again hey i'm guessing this is just how straight whites do it as a relationship it's not implausible <laughs> if we're going based off of the whole supernatural part exactly and we're going that might knock a few points off i mean we're going based upon uh taking the rules of the universe which is supernatural things are real and this relationship has been put through the stress of a supernatural occurrence. I'd say it's believable. I think it's pretty believable. Yeah, it really it's is. It's a bad relationship. Yes, it is. but that it's is. believable. Remember, the rating is not about how good it was. It's about how believable. Wendy should have probably left. She should have cut and run at the beginning, okay? When she got up there, they were like, oh, someone died here? <laughs> so I leave that way, right? Exit three. Uh, do you validate parking? No? Okay. I'm, I'm just good. I'm just, I'll just pay them. Yeah, but Wendy's know. white, so she didn't have that <laughs> instinct. <laughs> so on a scale of zero to ten, where zero is totally unbelievable, ten is totally believable, where do we rate this? I'd give it an eight, actually, because I see I I can't think of why I would knock it down. Yeah, yeah, I can't either. Like even the even you might think like, oh, why didn't she leave him? But like, just think about no, that makes sense. Yeah, she's a she's a woman who is a housewife, basically. Nineteen eighty, exactly. She's and also like, like and he, so there is this she has a kid. there is this incident, and he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix change it. things up and. Has. He has. Yeah, he has changed. And if I ever slip back again, leave me. So, like, she thinks, okay, it's rough. We're going through this patch, but we're working it through. Right. It feels very believable. It does. I can't think of a reason not to give it a 10. Oh, wow. You're actually right, actually. I said 8 just because, but... I can't really think of anything either. Yeah, what... what, All right, there we go. I guess just, like, how mean Boom, The Shining. The Shining. Maybe a 9 because it's Jack Nicholson and no one should marry him. Oh, true. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I just thought about that part. Again, like you you go on a date and you're like, sorry, I can't get past you. Yeah, you go on your first date with Jack Nicholson and it's... Well, in real life, that's it, it seems. (laughs) You're literally just like, oh, you're Jack Nicholson? I'm sorry. You're a 22-year-old. Can model, I, you go on a first date and then it's over. Can I go? Uh, do you validate parking? <laughs> Thanks, Jack. I gotta go. <laughs> All right. Do we think Jack and Wendy are dateable? No. I don't think either of them no, are. No, they're not. Wendy does not pick up on signals, and Jack is just Jack Nicholson. If you had to pick one person to date in this movie, Mark, who would it be? This is one of the hardest we've ever done. It really it is. It probably would be a scat man. It's gotta be scat man. See, for me... It's literally anybody who cut and run at the end of the season. So all the employees, I would date any of them just because they were like, oh, no, it's time to get the hell out of Dodge. Let's go. Is this like a thing like the horror stuff only manifests in the winter? Okay. Yeah, it seems like that. I feel like it's maybe it's when there are a lot of people there. It's harder to get everybody because it's so yeah. many different, like a bogart. Like when it's so many people, it's confused and like, oh, I can't really be effective right now. So it seems like the hotel works best when it's less people. Yeah. So. It's also like if you see two creepy girls in the hallway. Yeah. Cut and run! You kind of just like, ooh, someone brought their creepy kids. You wouldn't think ghost. You'd think, oh, there's some weirdos at this hotel. Ugh. True. I'd be like, I would have been like, hi, can we cut our vacation short? There is some weird twist. And I think that the reason we see all the really creepy visions is because of Danny having the shining. Exactly. Danny's powers are able to kind of and amplify exactly. it. Exactly. And part of it is the head cook, I, I'm not, uh, Scott Brothers. I'm not sure how much. Why does he work there if he has the shining? Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do with The Shining? How do you monetize it? No, I just mean, like, he probably gets creepy okay, visions that's what at I'm this think- haunted I'm thinking, hotel. I'm wondering, like, how much is he, like, so, oh, I I, I can- wonder if there's an extent to which he feels responsible because yeah. he's aware of it. He yeah. needs to, like, And he's connected. People. He was instantly connected with Danny. And when things were going wrong at the hotel, he feels it even in Miami and calls to try and check up on them. So, like you're saying, he finally kind of probably feels kind of responsible in some ways. Probably likes his job at the place, like, likes being the head cook. He seemed very, like, look at this kitchen I have. It's amazing. He when he was showing it around to Wendy, so he's like, I like my job. 
there's some creepy stuff that I'm able to see and like keep at bay. It's not bad during the summer. I'm fine during the winter. It's cool. So, okay. My other question was the twin girls and uh, Delbert Grady who killed them. He was saying that I killed them because they were getting out of hand or something. And like, I was thinking, oh, did they have The Shining too? Like, did, Maybe. did those kids, were they starting to see that this hotel is weird and they wanted to leave? And the wife was probably like kind of the same way wanting to leave. And I'm wondering like, are the families that are, I guess, drawn to it, do most of them have someone who has The Shining? Is there like some kind of connection between the hotel being able to see all these things and like just being drawn towards it? Like Jack doesn't have The Shining, but perhaps like because it's in his lineage, obviously, he kind of has that intuitive just like sense of it and is kind of drawn to this job, drawn to this place and just like even forces beyond his working are just pulling him in. Fun fact, and I will never believe this, those are not twins. They're eight and six. In real life? No, in like in okay, the text yeah. of the film, but they're twins. Well, that's weird, and I don't care for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that about does it for The Shining. So next week, we're doing something weird. We're changing things up a bit. We're doing our first double feature episode. When we did Shark Tale, I think we talked about the weird idea of people releasing the same movie, essentially, in the same year. Because Finding Nemo, right? And then... Now, of course, DreamWorks, though they denied it, Kind of seems like they were chasing Pixar. Right. But then there's also two Hercules movies in one year. Olympus two meteor is, movies. Yeah. Olympus has fallen and... White House Down. White House Down yeah. in the same year. So next week, we're going to look at both Friends with Benefits and No Strings Attached, which I've heard described as the one that is good and the one that's bad and the one that has Justin Timberlake like and the, the one that has Jake Gyllenhaal. But no one knows which is which. No, it's, it's Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. And no Jake one, Gyllenhaal is loving other drugs. Loving other drugs. Because it's... it's uh, Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman, right? And yeah. Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake. Timberlake. Yes. And no one can tell you which is which. I've only seen the Mila But also Kun- because when people are like, one's good, one's bad, I hear different opinions about which is which. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've only seen the Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake one. I don't know which one that is. So I'm excited to talk about this one, get into it. Should be a good time. I feel like the answer at the end might be, they're both bad. It's possible. <laughs> Until then, of course, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It really helps us out. Last question. What is the best piece of dating advice we got from The Shining? Cut and run. Listen to signals. Listen to that gut feeling in your stomach. Cut and run. Because if you don't, you get The Shining. What's bad about getting The Shining? I mean, you get the movie, The Shining. You get the events of the movie, The Shining, if you don't cut and run. I'd say maybe stop drinking because before the whole evil hotel happened, it did seem to improve their relationship. I was going to say, bring me some sandwiches later. (laughs) Not in a, like, gendered way. Just in general. I'll bring you some sandwiches. Bring me some sandwiches. We'll both have sandwiches. Again, it is a well-documented fact. Will can be caught with a sandwich. Until then. Get a box uh, sandwich on a stick. Like, caught. Well, that about does it. So, until next time, I am a ginger. And I'm gay. And I'm black. So, between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Bye!